Hey everybody, it's Brian. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Rider, a series to learn about others in the riding community, their bikes, their gear, their adventures, how they use the creative process, and how they're looking to impact the community. Today's special guest is YouTuber, podcaster, and a great friend of mine, KidMoto22. Let's get into it. Kid, why don't you tell them about yourself, sir? Well, I don't know what you want to know, man. Uh, let me see. So, What's your sign? Uh, Do you enjoy long walks down the beach? Um, yes, that's know. all true. It's all, that's true. all true. Yep. Uh, so my name's Broadway Ryan. Broadway shows, no? Uh, yes, also Broadway shows. <laughs> I do enjoy those. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I go by KidMoto22 on Instagram and YouTube. Uh, my name's Ryan, and I ride a 2017 Rogue King Special. And I would say I would call myself a content creator because in addition to being on Instagram and YouTube, I'm also um, one of the um, five members of the Five Degree Bikers podcast. Excellent. 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 Now, you didn't you didn't talk about your bike. It's got a nickname. It's special. Come on. Come on. I do. Yep. So I uh, (laughs) my my bike was not named by me. Um, I have to give full credit to my friend, Dustin. Uh, He named my bike. So uh, we called the king of the north. And for those of you that don't know, I live in North Dakota. Um, It's very cold here. So we you know, we always say I I live beyond the wall. Um, (laughs) A little bit of walkers. a exactly a little bit of a, a little bit of a reference there, but for sure it's uh um you know it, we're actually supposed to be getting our first blizzard of the season this year, so we have fifty mile an hour winds and two to five inches of snow coming tonight. So it's our it's our first winter is winter is upon us here for sure. So wait, so we somehow beat you to snow in New Jersey because absolutely got a man, inches. absolutely we've wow. had a crazy mild winter. I mean we've only had one. One day this winter for us that have we've had below zero temperatures. It's been really mild, very mild. Nice. So it's been a, yeah, and and for us, um, typically like the last few years, winter has started uh, right around Halloween, and so when it, when it snows around Halloween and it stays until the end of March, beginning of April, it makes for a very long winter. Um, so the fact that we are, I mean, I can still see grass in my front yard and backyard. The fact that we've got that right now. Uh, is great. It's going to make, you know, winter's only going to be two and a half months this year, which is awesome. Nice. That's fantastic. Awesome. So I know you come from a big Harley Davidson family. So when do you, when did you start riding? I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I know you were a kid, obviously, but do you remember that? Um, was it black and white, that memory? Or? Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, I don't think it was. I don't, I think the whole world was in black and white then. Yeah, it was, it was right. Yep. Uh, film was still on, on film on real strips. Yep. For sure. Uh, that was, that was true. A true thing. No, I, I grew up, um, uh, yeah, the first bike I was ever on was a Harley Davidson. Um, and I grew up on the back of Harleys, um, in the eighties, my first time on a bike, I bet it was eight and they didn't make helmets for kids back then. So it was an adult size helmet that was, you know, like all floppy on my head and that kind of stuff. I wore, a um, a half, like it had a full shell on the back and it had just a face shield that came down to my chin. That's kind of what I wore. Um, I never graduated to a full size helmet when I was a kid. Um, so yeah, I was, I was probably eight years old and I rode uh, tons of miles. We did toy runs and, and, you know, week, weekend, week long camping trips. Um, my mom's husband at the time had a 
um, probably an 85 or an 86 F- FXRT that he bought brand new. And for anybody that knows the FXRs are kind of a, uh, kind of a commodity in the, in the, in the motorcycle community. And, and it was a, it was an amazing bike to kind of grow up on. Um, so I rode two different, I rode on the back of two different Harleys. So I kind of cut my cloth in, uh, that time as, as a passenger. And so probably rode, I would say between, uh, four, I would say four years probably that I, that I had ridden as a passenger. And then I was out of motorcycling until my thirties. And then I got back into it as a rider in my thirties. And so, um, there was no MSF course or transition for me. I just bought mm-hmm. a bike and started riding because I had, you know, kind of that background and that experience from when I was a kid. I mean, the shifting, clutching, none of that, it just, it just came to me naturally because I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say, um, I'm not trying to be arrogant because that's, that's not at all true. We ride a Harley. It's totally okay to be arrogant. It's in the rule book. <laughs> but, but for me, I just, I didn't take the MSF course, the, um, you know, I rode BMX a little bit when I was a kid and, uh, was on b- mountain bikes and had a lot of mountain biking experience and trail riding and that kind of stuff. And so, um, I already, I, I drove a manual transmission car for a while. So the idea yeah. of shifting, clutching, all of that stuff at the same time was not, um, was not foreign to me. I knew how to do that already. So, so that really wasn't a, wasn't an issue. And I learned, learned how to ride. So uh, my first bike that I purchased was a Kawasaki Vulcan. And I believe it was a 2005, I think 2005 Kawasaki Vulcan was the first bike that I ever owned. And, um, and I rode that for a few years, probably, I want to say, um, maybe seven years I had that bike. And I never really took that bike on any long distance trips or um, did any, um, you know, I, I, I really just used that for commuting and riding around town. Um, I took okay. a trip, probably the longest I ever rode it was 200 miles in a day. And I had that bike for, like I said, about seven years. And then my wife and I were in a little bit of a transition time in our life and I sold it and we got new carpet for a house or something like that. And my wife said to me, you know, I promise that someday you'll, um, I'll let you buy a bike again. And so, um, the next time, uh, when I was ready to buy a bike, I bought a 1200 Sportster. I bought a Nightster. It was a 2009 Nightster. And, um, after I bought that bike, I knew that, um, that I would probably be on a Harley for the rest of my life, or at least for as long as I could ride. Um, it's it's just what, um, for me, that's, that's what I connected to. That's where I, um, what I grew up riding. Um, I don't disparage anybody else that rides any other kind of bike. It's just for me, um, though the Harley has a soul and, um, and I knew that's just kind of what I wanted to ride and where I felt like I belonged. I, I, I knew I was going to be in the cruiser market. If you know anything about a Kawasaki Vulcan, it's a cruiser. So um, I knew I wasn't going to be a sport bike guy. I knew I wasn't going to be um, an ADV or, you know, that kind of thing. While now the way that I ride and what I do, that the idea of it appeals to me. I, I'm a cruiser guy at heart. And so um, I still like to do, you know, I don't know about off-roading, but I think like the kind of like the camping and the, you know, the outdoorsy portion of the ADV riding is what appeals to me more than actually maybe riding off-road. Um, but yeah, I, 
I really do um, like that. I've, uh, I was even away from camping for more than 20 years and I got back into that too. And I've really embraced <laughs> that portion too. So um, yeah, I, I like to travel long distance on my bike. That's kind of my jam. I'm not really a, a bar hopper kind of guy. Again, I don't disparage those people that do that. I think there's room for that, obviously in the motorcycle industry um, for the weekend warriors, that kind of stuff. I, um, I ride as much as I can. I use my bike for commuting in the summertime pretty much as soon as the snow melts, I'll ride as much as I can. So, um, I'll ride to work and back every day. And then, um, I, then I like to go on long trips. So really the, the long trips are kind of my jam. That's what I enjoy the most about motorcycling. And I've done that, um, two up. So I've done that with my wife and I've done it solo and I've done it with, um, other riders. So I've kind of done that long distance riding all three ways. And I, I would have to say that I don't know that I enjoy any one more than the other right now. I haven't, you know, I think there's, I think there's, there is, um, benefits and, and drawbacks to each one of those things that is, uh, unique, you know, like if I, Riding two up, for instance, is is that your bike is obviously laden down differently. And so it's a little bit uh, more difficult to maneuver and handle and slow maneuvers are different and that kind of stuff. Um, if, when you're traveling solo, uh, you're completely on your own. So, you know, the advantages to that is you get to do things exactly on your time. If it's time to stop, you stop. If you want to pee, you want to rest, you want to eat, whatever, it's 100% on your time. Um, but then you're not also, you're not sharing that experience with anybody. And if you have any problems, it's a hundred percent on you to solve it. Right. So if you have a breakdown, there's no one there to drive to the next gas stop and get you help. You're stuck figuring it out yourself. Um, and then, you know, the other part is riding with people. Um, you get, you get to experience that ride with someone else. So you not only do you experience that ride through someone else's eyes, but you experience it through your own. Um, but then you're burdened by the decision-making of what you're doing. You know what I mean? Or, or maybe you're ready to stop or they're not ready to stop. And so there's kind of all of that. So I think the, the most important thing when you're running a group of guys is that just to be transparent about your riding, you know what I mean? Like if you need a break, you just need to say, Hey, I need to stop. Like I'm not, I'm, I, I need a break or whatever, or, you know, that kind of stuff. And I've found that to just to be the easiest way to handle it. Um, Were you, you mentioned about the the Harley, not to interrupt you, but what do you think that, because I've experienced this in, in having metric bikes, you know, my whole riding career, if you will. What is it about the Harley that's different to you? Because I've talked to so many people and everyone says the same thing. It, it has this soul. It has this feel. It has, everyone finds a little something different, but it's so unique, it seems like. Um. I would say that like if I were to compare riding my Kawasaki Vulcan to riding my Sportster, um, cause they were, the, the Kawasaki Vulcan was an 805 mm-hmm. CC. So the, the Sportster was 1200. Um, the riding the Kawasaki was fun because I was riding a motorcycle. Riding the okay. Sportster was visceral and made the hair on my arm stand up. That's fair. So it was, uh, um, what I think that I like about it is that um, the Harley is much less refined than their metric counterparts. 
right? Mm-hmm. So they're um, they're they're noisy and they're uh, sh- they, they they shake and they rattle and they and um, they they vibrate and they they have a soul. You feel like you're on you know you're kind of more in tune with your motorcycle. Where many of the metric bikes are, they're just they they are engineered differently to where they're just smooth. The shifting is easier. Mm-hmm. The engine doesn't move. Um, it doesn't, you know, like you can ride a Harley. Uh, my, I would do this with my sportster all the time. I, you'd stand beside it and you crack the throttle and the engine would, you know, would shake, mm-hmm. right? Or get up to an intersection. I know you have a, you have a, uh, a V-twin, right? Or you have a, mm-hmm. um, a twin cam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have a 103. You have a twin cam. So when you get up to an intersection, do your mirrors kind of vibrate a little bit? Like, you know, you can't really look in them when you're sitting in an intersection. They vibrate, but they don't vibrate as much as some of them. I've seen that. I've actually yeah. seen it on some of the, the, the M8s that aren't tuned right. Where like you just, everything goes completely wonky. Yeah. Now, my sports are too bad. Yeah. My sports are at a, at an intersection, the mirrors would vibrate and you couldn't even see, you, you couldn't see in them. But then when I got up to speed, everything smooths out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that's kind of how I would explain it to be is that, Oh, lost your video, oh, sir. Lost my video. What happened there? I don't know why that. There we go. Um, I, I would I would explain that to be a much more visceral experience. Um, it, it's just a. Um, it is something to me that that j- it just spoke to me. Now, again, I, I would I would caution people and say that 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 can happen on any bike. You know what I mean? I think it just depends on the kind of person you are. I think the reason why it spoke to me is it tapped into something that happened to me when I was very young, which was when I fell in love with motorcycling, mm-hmm. right? So you can you you kind of tap into those feelings of when you were young and what it felt like. And the first time I rode a motorcycle and the first time I, you know, experienced motorcycle camping. And so I tap into all of those things every time I still do them. And so I think that's the biggest the biggest takeaway for me is why it feels that way for me. Um, but again, I, I know it's not like that for everybody. And some people get that same, that very same feeling riding any kind of bike, riding a scooter can give you that feeling, but that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean it's unique to, um, to that particular bike. Cause I think that there's a thing too, with the Harley where it's just so ingrained in our society in American society. And, you know, it certainly was with the boomers. It certainly is with the Gen Xers where it just became a cultural thing. You know, it's like, it's, I'm trying to think of something to compare it to, but it's kind of motorcycles sort of everyone thinks of Harley when they, when they think of it, you know, it just has a certain sound that has a certain feel to it. Um, But to your point, my, my Suzuki was, was just as good as a, a bike in its own sense, it just had a different heart and soul the same way that my KLR had a completely different soul to it. Talk about okay. something that would shake the teeth out of your head. <laughs> I think, I think the other, the other part that I found interesting is that um, there is inherently a community aspect, I think to riding Harleys that's mm-hmm. unique to Harley Davidson that I don't think really exists in other factions of motorcycling. Um you know, as an example, um, ADV riders are, you know, probably more loners than they are pack animals. You know, mm-hmm. you don't see 20 ADV riders going down the road at one time. You know, you might see one or two, 
Yep. I'm sorry. You might see, you know, two riding together, but I have honestly, I've never seen five ADV bikes going down the road at one time. I've seen mm. two. That's about the most I've ever seen. But for the most part, you can see a fully loaded, you know, cracked out ADV bike going down the road with a guy in their space suit and everything else on and they're by themselves, you know? And so, um, I think that's the other part is that there's a, there's just a, a unique community aspect to, um, to Harley Davidson that doesn't exist in that same way that exists everywhere else. That's fair. Now, so again, that's my perspective. That, that, that doesn't mean that's not my truth. That's, or that's my truth in my perspective. It's not, it's not fact. No. And, and I, and I think that the fact that, you know, we, as you said, we've, every bike that I've owned, including my scooters all had a, a personality. They all had a, they all had something to them. It's just everything, like you said, is different, you know, and it does seem to be with the, especially with the, with the Harley bikes. And maybe it's because of the hog chapters and stuff, but it does seem to be more of a communal thing. Well, custom dynamics. Yeah, boy. My custom dynamics, QZ. You got to get that strobe. Mm-hmm. Mike won the contest, man. It's Mike. <laughs> I told yeah. him, I said, unfortunately, that 500-hour gift card is just a down payment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they yeah. keep coming out. It with depends on how he wants to go. I mean, he can get a pretty bomb headlight for that. Um, or he can, that's what I want. Yeah. yeah. He, or he could get leds all the way around. Yeah. That, that absolutely their, uh, multi-directional headlights are fantastic. Yeah. You keep, and, and there's, there's something just for being seen. That's for damn sure. So what was the reason that you started your YouTube channel? Cause I don't remember your YouTube channels. What about two years old? It's year close old? to two years old. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it'll be two years old in, um, I want to say April or May might be May. May, it'll be two okay. years old. Um, you know, I've been watching YouTube creators for for a while. Um, probably about let me let me let me rephrase that. I've been watching motorcycle YouTube creators for probably about a year and a half prior to me doing it. And after watching a few channels and just getting some inspiration, I thought, you know this is something I could do and it could bring a different aspect to it. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I did it, you know, probably it was maybe my fourth or fifth video I put out. I realized that really what I was doing was I was time stamping this time in my life that is going to live on beyond me that, you know, my kids will be able to look back on it and see, you know, um, through, through any of the content creation that I'm doing, you know, whether or not Instagram lives that long or YouTube lives that long, all of these things are out there. And, uh, um, if they're out there and available on the internet, they're going to live on well beyond me. And so I'm kind of really documenting, um, this period of time in my life of motorcycling for me. And, um, I really enjoy it and I don't see an end to it anytime soon unless, you know, unless they make it impossible to continue on or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm really liking doing it a lot. And, Good. and so I think the motivation for me was more about, I had watched creators and I thought, Hey, I could do this and this might be fun. And then very early on, I realized what it was doing for me in terms of documenting that time. And then, um, as soon as you kind of start to get a following or, or, you know, people start to follow you on your, your channel when they 
hit the like button and subscribe button, all that, you start to build your own community of people around what you're doing. And, um, and that's probably uh, one of the most rewarding things about it is that you you begin to interact with people that you normally would have never met, been mm-hmm. in touch with, talked to, been in contact with. And uh, the same thing goes when you're not a creator and you're just on YouTube and you interact with people that are making content and they interact back with you. All of a sudden, there's that aha moment where you're like, oh, wow, like this person you know, this person contacted me back and then that can grow into, into other things, which it has um, in other aspects. And we can talk about that later. For yeah, sure. absolutely. I, I think it's really interesting too, that you would think as a, as YouTube is sort of competitive, I find that it's interesting that everybody's so open with their experience you know, there's no, I think the creative process, like back when I did photography professionally was fun because there were, well, but it was divided. You would get people that would tell you anything because they just didn't care. And there was people that had that very fragile ego where everything was very sensitive. Um, but I think that that's the interesting part about the YouTube community is that everybody's open to sharing that for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, um, I think it's because, you know, as a whole idea, you know, YouTube is basically there for two reasons to educate or entertain. Um, Mm. and anything else doesn't get views. So if it doesn't fall into one of those two categories, it's, it's not being consumed as information. So if you, if you're, if your content falls into the entertainment category or the education category or both, you're going to get, you're going to get views. And I think what happens is, is that, you kind of start to hone in on um, what you like and then what people are interested in that you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's where it becomes interesting. And and for me, it's only enhanced my experience on a motorcycle because it's kind of opened up this doorway to all these other experiences and other people mm-hmm that in my small community, I, I really wouldn't have never, ever had contact with. Um, and so for me, it's really great too, because I live in a, I live in a part of the country that it takes a while for things to get to, right? So when you're in the middle of the country, especially in the, the North part of the middle of the country, um, and what I mean a while to get to is it takes a long time for clothing styles to get to the middle of the country. So, so when people are doing cool stuff, and other areas of the country, it takes a while for that cool stuff to get here. And by the time it does, it's already old news. And gotcha. so it opens up a, Kenny and I have talked about it. If you look at my style of bike, my style of bike is not, it's a very popular style of bike across the country. If you look at my style of bike right here in our demographic, no one has a bike that looks like mine. No one. Yeah. Um, and I'm, and I'm not, and I'm only saying that because I like that style and that's how I like to ride. And it kind of fits all those things, but the quote unquote performance bagger or that look or style or whatever is popular all over the country. It's just not that popular here. People here are still riding ape hangers and and that kind of stuff, which is again, there's a time and there's a place for that. That's just not what I, what I like. Yeah. It's interesting how motorcycles, cause you came from that whole California scene, which is, which is totally a different scene than because if I remember correctly, there's a picture of you that on a bike that looks a lot like the laid law coastal glide, isn't there? 
Yeah, that's the uh, and that's the FXRT that I okay. grew up on. And those bikes, uh, that p- specific style of bike, they're highly coveted right now. They're considered uh, Harley made those as a direct competitor to all of the quote unquote Jap bikes that were produced in the eighties mm-hmm. that were all performance based. That was Harley's stab at the performance market is, is really what they were. And the traditionalists that had shovel heads and all that stuff back in the day, they hated these bikes. They absolutely hated them. They were universally hated when they came out. They were hated for a long time. Harley stopped making them in the nineties. They, they went all the way to the mid nineties. The FXRs did. Um, but right now they're highly coveted as mm-hmm. the best performing Harleys that, that Harley has. Yeah. My mom's husband bought one right off of the showroom floor. I mean, it was, and then he had it custom painted and we added a sidecar to it. And, and it, it, you know, that's that, what I was forgetting the sidecar. I forgot yeah. About that, that, yeah. That bike right now, if you would take that bike right now, it's worth probably, 10 times what he paid for it back in the eighties, yeah. at least 10 times. So, I mean, you know, it, yeah, it, it's um, yeah. And, and if you look at the, if you look at what I'm wearing in those pictures, I mean, I have like bell bottom pants on and, you know, it is definitely the early, you know, mid eighties in Southern California at that time. So, um, but yeah, that you're right. That bike looks exactly like the coast glide. I think that's such a sweet look. And it's interesting. And I just made the connection about that the road glides are becoming more popular, which is similar to that style. It's a bigger bike, but it yeah. still has that fixed fairing, which I think is just the incredible. I love that yep. look. Yep. Yep. It's a fantastic look. So, all right. Live count. Where are we at? We're at nine. What are you at? You're right at 942. 942. 942. Okay. Yep. So December 22nd. When are we cracking a thousand K? What's the goal? End of the year? I I would like to be the end of the year. I think it's unrealistic. I I think maybe the end of January at this point. Um, Yeah. I mean, I got a lot of support in this last week from the Modi community. I just, I kind of posted my, my, um, you know, kind of what my count was and, uh, you know, yourself and a bunch of people kind of reposted it for me and, and got me, you know, got me probably 10 or 10 or 11 new subs, which was amazingly awesome that everyone did that or, you know, the people that did do that. Um, but yeah, it's, it seems like uh, I've had a couple of kind of um, boosts in the time that I, I've been a creator that have done it, but otherwise it's, it's been a really slow roll. I mean, I'm on that kind of, anywhere from 20 to 50 subs every 28 days, but usually it's more around that 30 sub mark about every 28 days. Um, so that, that puts you at a, at a pretty slow roll. But I think what I found is, is that um, I have a fairly good engaged audience at that mark. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I get, you know, usually around 30 comments per video, which feels pretty good um, for the number of subs that I have. But when you look at my video count, um, which just is at 60 right now, so I have 60 videos out and 900 subs, that's really good. You know, oh, so I, really I, have a low, I have a low video count for high number of subs. So, um, so that's really good. And I have, um, I would say I have 12 videos that are performing very well. Um, it's awesome. One video that's at 13 K or something like that. 
Um, but the, you know, the rest I have, again, I probably have, you know, then I probably have 11 of them that are over a thousand, some five, 6,000. So I have a few videos that have hit and, and done pretty well for me and, and hit that's hit for a small motive vlogger, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have not gotten anything that's gotten, you know, 30, 40, 50,000. Um, but, but for a small, for a small channel with 60 videos, I have nothing to complain about. And, and really, um, yeah, I said it before and I stand behind it. It's really about been about the community that's being built around it. And, and really, you know, and we can touch on this again later on. It's there, there's a bigger community that, that we're reaching and touching right mm-hmm. now. That is, um, that is very important to me. So, so do you see, and, and we've talked about this, I think a thousand is, is sort of the, is sort of the milestone, right? You hit a thousand, you can, you can monetize, you become more, legitimate for lack of a better word. Um, do you see that changing your channel any, do you want to use that to sort of steamroll into other things? Um, no, I think for me, I've always used each season as a time to change. So, um, as an example, my first season was very traditional starter moto vlog, one camera on the front of my helmet, one POV view. And then, um, I, I use my, my GoPro for my install videos. Um, I use the GoPro mic. I didn't, you know, I really didn't. Um, I, I kind of did budget mode of logging and budget installs as, as best as I could. Um, and by budget, just, you know, camera. Well, for season two, I added a camera that gave me the second view, which was the, the, you know, the, the very stereotypical mounted on your handlebars and point it back at your face. So people can see you talking. And I talk with Mm -hmm. my hands, obviously. So I do that on my bike too. So they see the, you know, the view forward and the view back. And then as I started my travel videos and if anybody's watched any of my last two videos I put out of my Badlands series. Which are fantastic. I can't uh, say enough about them. I I very much appreciate that. I, I mounted that camera on the back of my bike to then give the group ride feel because I really wanted to highlight uh, my friends that, that, that came with me on the ride, mm-hmm. uh, Kenny and Jason and Todd. And then later on, um, later on in the trip, uh, Jay Sherman, um, because these guys were really integral into me having a great time on that vacation. And so um, I, I wanted to be able to highlight what it was like to do the same, the same ride, but you saw what it was like to be riding with people with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and you, and you got a different view of the scenery that way. And, and it just added that, you know, added that really more realistic, that there was something happening that it wasn't just, you know, as the, as the person watching the video that, um, I wasn't putting on a show that I was taking you with me. Um, because you could see that there was, you know, there was other people, we were on a trip and, and then I was taking people with me and taking the audience with me. And so, um, that's what I brought for season two, uh, season three coming up. I've already kind of starting filming my season three content creation. And so as you know, about my audience doesn't know yet, I've, and I posted this on my Instagram, I upped my game a little bit. So I have some background lighting and I have a, a new camera. So I have a Canon M50 with some kit lenses and, and uh, some lenses I've added onto that, that, um, and, and I will have, I'll have more lenses coming. That's going to be things that I use to take better pictures of my bike, um, better pictures at events, 
um, better pictures when I'm vacationing and riding. And then I will also be using that for a lot of my, um, I'll move away from the GoPro. The GoPro will truly be my action camera. And mm-hmm. this camera will be my vlogging camera, will be my install camera. I will use lighting for installs. Um, it, it, I'm just going to, I want to grow. And and um, for me, it's more about um, learning my craft better than it is about uh, gaining more audience. I want to be able fair. to grow and learn and, and create more. And so you might see that in some of my edits. I might throw in some different tricks that I've done before. I might use different music. I might use different effects. And I'm just trying things to try to grow and learn and be better at my craft. I'm not necessarily doing it for, um, you know, uh, to be a hundred thousand, you know, a hundred thousand subscriber channel. Um, I, I would be, you know, I'm certainly, I would certainly, you know, do that, but I'm more about the community interaction and the community that's being built around it than I am necessarily having, you know, a hundred thousand followers. Now, if that happens, I'm certainly going to go with it, but, um, (laughs) you know, I'm really, I'm really more about, um, you know, what's being built in the community that's being built around it. I think that one of the things that's become very evident to me in this last year of riding is, um, there's been a lot of information put out on YouTube about complaining about Harley Davidson as a corporation or a company. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a lot of a lot of content put out about less riders and less people buying bikes and all these kind of things. And I started to kind of reflect on all of that, and I said, you know what? Um, it's our turn to step up, right, Brian? In our age group, it's our turn. You know what I mean? The, the new people, boomers were coming. Right. Exactly. We're exactly. You know, Gen X is the new boomers, right? We're it's it's our turn. It's our responsibility. And so what are we gonna do to shape the next generation of riders? Where is our responsibility now? We need to stop complaining about what's happening and start doing something to make a change. And we can talk about that a little bit further uh later on when we talk well, yeah, about and the I, and community. I think too, it's and not to go down the rabbit hole, but it's kind of like the ATV bike, right? And I, I, at face value, it's like, well, it'll never work. And then the rumored price drops and you're like, all right, it could work. <laughs> you know, it, right. it's, but unfortunately with the internet, you have so much information coming at you that it's, it's very easy to jump the shark. Well, um, that bike could that. be $5,000 and people are going to bitch and it could be $30,000 and people are going to bitch. There's, there's yeah. no way around it. Right. I mean, that's just the, that's the nature of the beast, but I'm more speaking of the community at a, as a whole and what our, where our responsibility lies as motorcycle riders. Like, what are we going to do to make new riders? What are we going oh, to do absolutely. to grow the community? Because that's where we are. You know, we are the next generation of leaders as, as much as we don't want to admit it anymore, or as much as we've been kind of shying away from that, that's where we are now. You know, we are the next generation of leaders. And so it's time for us to step up and stop bitching and start doing something. Oh, no, I couldn't agree more. And I, and I think that that's, and like you said, we can speak to that, is that it's it's very easy to just take the, you know, the grumpy old man approach and say, well, you don't like the way things are going, but it's very hard to change that. You know, it, there, there's so much that can be done. And I think that YouTube is, is, has made phenomenal um, impact with that. You know, you see now branding, um, accessories, bikes, you know, one person gets something, the next thing you know, it becomes popular because it's just, 
and it's organic because people see it. It's not like it's, you know, it, it's, it's different form of marketing. Well, and let's you know? be honest as male motorcycle riders, we are not the best teachers for females. Mm-hmm. And what I, I, what I view YouTube as, especially for a female rider is that vehicle <coughs> for them to see other females doing cool shit on motorcycles and they see that it's accessible. It can be done. It's less threatening. Um, it's less like, Oh, I want to learn how to ride a motorcycle, but I can only do it with my husband, right. Or my boyfriend or whatever. They see other women doing it together. Like men have been doing forever. And so it opens up this Avenue that is, um, you know, that's just much more accessible. And I, and I Mm -hmm. think that's the biggest thing because anybody that's a new rider that's gone by themselves to buy a motorcycle realizes that that Mm -hmm. experience is more terrifying than buying a car or buying a house. It is crazy, scary, and intimidating to walk into a motorcycle dealership to buy a bike because as soon as you walk through that door, you feel like everybody in there is judging you for one reason or another. You're you're, you're not a rider. You're not good enough. You don't have experience. You Mm -hmm. don't know what you're doing. You don't belong there. You're not a part of the community. Whatever it is, it's crazy intimidating. And I found that feeling in both a Harley dealership and a metric dealership. I don't think absolutely. You know, and no, so it doesn't. Yeah. And so it's a, um, it's a, uh, but it's funny because once you get in a community of riders, of people, there's no better place to be. There's no more support. There's no more, there's not a place that you can find in any hobby that I've ever been involved with that people will literally pick you up and carry you when you're down. Yeah. Not just help you, they will carry you to where you need to be. You know, your bike breaks down, someone will come and pick you up, put your bike in a trailer, bring it to their shop, fix your bike and get you on the road. And a lot of times all they want you to do is say thank you and shake their hand. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And and I, I noticed at least with the, and maybe it's more of the branding culture of it, but I can't tell you how many times we've gone out and next thing you know, you have people sitting at your table because they ride too, because they saw your shirt or your hat or, you know, and yeah. they just want to talk to you. Yeah. That's, it's, um, yeah, it's an it's, amazing community. It's, it's, it's a real thing. And, but it's, it's an, I stand by this. It's an amazing community, but it's really, really hard to open up that door and put yourself mm-hmm. out there. But if you do, if you do make that step and you put yourself out there, you have to find your people because there's niches in the motorcycling community too. But if you find your people stay there, because like I said, they will pick you up and carry you when you, when you need them to. No, absolutely. Because we all started out where you feel like you're, you're a fraud. You feel like you're pretending, you feel like you're playing motorcyclist. And the next thing you know, you know, you're, you're part of that active community. Right. And it doesn't take long. It doesn't take long at all. Once you find that stride. Right. And I mean, we've all done it, right? We've all bought our bike and then bought all the pirate gear and gotten all dressed up and went outside and felt like a fucking moron. Right. We've all, every single one of us has done it. And it takes a while to get comfortable in that skin before you're like, okay, do I want to dress like a pirate or do I want to have some pirate gear and some functional gear or so, you know what I mean? You have to like grow into that. And I mean, I've done it even for me, I told, I was talking to somebody on our discord, five Dirty bikers discord that, uh, I've bought a new helmet every year for the past four years. Right. Mm-hmm. Why am I doing it? Because I haven't found the perfect helmet yet. And in fact, one of my helmet, I, I used the last season. I threw it away 
because I wrote it to MMM. The, the, the inside smelled bad, whatever. I had Sugru to mount on it for my camera. It wasn't going to be good for anybody and you shouldn't sell your helmet to anybody. I use helmet to anybody anyway, but it wasn't a helmet for me that held any emotional value. You know, some people keep their helmets as their, you know, kind of like trophies or whatever. I threw it away because I didn't want any part of it anymore. Um, I had graduated beyond that helmet. I, you know, took a Dremel tool and cut some of the lining out of the inside of it, not the lining, but the, the, uh, um, styrofoam out of the inside of it. So I could fit my speaker pods a little bit better for my communication in it. And it wasn't good for anybody. So I, I mean, and I, and I threw it away reflecting, maybe should I have kept it? Maybe I should have, because I cut my teeth, my motovlogging teeth in that helmet. Mm -hmm. So maybe I should have kept it, but you know what? I, I didn't. Um, and I don't regret that. You know, I try not to look back on decisions I've made as with regret either. You know what I mean? I kind of focus moving forward. So the helmet I used this last season, um, again, it's, it was a good helmet that for, I use for this season. I, I won't throw this one away. I'll keep it. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, there, there were some things I really like about it. Some things I really don't, I haven't found the perfect helmet yet. The very first gears helmet a, I gears, a rabbit hole. Oh my gosh. Man. Right. The very first, helmet you know, I you've got like four jackets and two yeah. pairs of boots and yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and I've purchased Crazy. new boots in the last few years too. And the ones I have now are kind of more shoes than they are boots. They're, mm -hmm. you know, they look like boots, but they're really, they don't offer a crazy amount of protection, but you know, I, I tell people, people can criticize all the time. Like you see somebody riding in vans and they're like, oh, you're going to lose your foot. You know, it's, it's subjective. I got into a motorcycle accident when I was a kid on the back of a Harley in Southern California. And the only reason I'm alive is a helmet, right? Boots wouldn't have saved my life. The gear did not save my life. The helmet saved my life, right? I fell backwards off the back of the motorcycle. When I pulled the chin strap on the helmet, it fell off my head in two pieces. Without the helmet, dead. I would have been dead at 10 years no, old. No, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, you say what you want. And, and there's a million accidents that, you know, you hear people that, well, they survived, but their whole body yeah. is broken because they were wearing a helmet or, you know, it's situational, man. You just never know. You you never know when that, when, when you know, when your number gets called. Uh, whether or not that accident is going to be something that you survive, don't survive, how bad are you going to be hurt? That's subjective. How fast are you going? Were you hit? Did you hit somebody? Were you rear-ended? I mean, you know, it's there's a million different things that can happen. Well, and it's all, I think too, it's all about risk assessment. Anything in life is, right? Yeah. You, you have to decide what the, what the um, like I wear a half helmet when it's really hot. Well, like I'm talking like in the upper nineties, is it more dangerous? Yes. Is it better than not wearing a helmet? Absolutely. You know, but again, it's, yeah, it's what works for you. Yeah. When I first you know? started riding, in fact, uh, on my, uh, Vulcan, I wore, I bought the smallest helmet I could find. It was like a crown. I mean, it was the tiniest thing ever. And, uh, honestly I bought it because I thought I was cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and then what I, what I realized getting a full face helmet was, you don't have wind fatigue. You have much more protection. And if you read, if you do your research, injuries that happen from motorcycling most oftentimes happen to your face. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that's what a full part. face helmet. Yep, that, yeah. that, yep, that's what a full face helmet, full face helmet is going to protect. But for the distance riding and the things that I really love doing. A full face helmet is the only way to go. There's wind fatigue and bugs and road debris and all this other stuff that your helmet is absorbing that you're not getting any that you're not getting any part of. 
Well, and that's, that's, you know, I've had that conversation with Katie too, is that you, you go into a store as a new rider and you go, there's this hundred hour helmet and there's this 700 hour shoe berth or, you know, a thousand hour rye and you, it's very hard to justify, but if you, if, if you become an all day rider, that little thing in the boots, the gloves, the jackets will drive you insane yep. <laughs> versus having For something sure. that's more comfortable. And what I would tell anybody, and, and you've probably experienced this yourself, what I would tell any new rider is don't buy that $1,000 helmet. Buy the $200 I made that helmet. mistake. Yep. Buy the $200 helmet. Find out that you love riding and that helmet sucks. And then spend the money on a more expensive helmet. And find the one that works for you because the helmet that works for you, Bri, may not be the helmet that works for me, may not be the helmet that works for somebody else. And the same thing goes for gear, right? You can, people, you know, say, oh, you're dressed like a pirate. You have leather. I have a leather jacket and I wear chaps. And you know what? I have found those things to be very comfortable for me Mm -hmm. riding. I like the wind protection. I like the warmth that they provide, you know, but that's this area of the country that I ride in. If you told Mary, who you know, the Geared Raven, who was on um, your your show the last time, that she had to wear a leather jacket and chaps every time she rode, she'd tell you to jump off a cliff because she rides in Florida where it's eighty degrees or higher all the time. Right? I only have a window of about I would say six weeks where I don't wear some form of leather on my body mm-hmm. that is fully protective and or to keep me warm. Because most of my riding is done when it's colder. Yeah, and I was um, I was against the whole leather idea until I tried it, and then when you try it, you're like, okay, there's a reason for this. And it's not for everybody. Again, it's it's just no. you know because they do make way they do make uh, textile gear and all kinds of stuff that is just as protective, that is just as wind resistant, but it's not for everybody. So you have again, it goes along with you. You have to find what you are comfortable wearing and what you like to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like the, you said at one time about uh, traveling to Harley dealerships and buying a t-shirt and buying a poker chip, right? I do that at every dealership that I go and visit. Um, it's not because I want a closet full of Harley shirts that I'm, that's the only thing I'm going to wear. I do it as um, marking a passage of time. It's like a tattoo for some people. You know, mm-hmm. I want to be able, when I can't rot anymore, I want to be able to go to that jar and pull out my chips and pull out the chip that says, you know, uh, Harley Davidson dealership in New Jersey. And remember the time that I went and saw Brad the biker. Like yeah. that's, that's what I want to be able to look back on. Um, when and I, can't I think that's good marketing too, because, you know, it's a $2 chip right. or $3 chip. You know, it's not a $30 t-shirt, which is, you know, another rabbit hole we won't go down. But right. <laughs> But no, absolutely. So we've skirted around this for too long. Let's talk about the five dirty bikers. Let's do it. Now, I didn't like the last one I spoke to. So you're still my favorite. That's not true, Mary. I love you. Love you to death. Um, I'm only kidding. So you became, you're part of the original crew of the five dirty bikers. So how did that come about? So, um, the and so anybody pod- that doesn't know that what we're talking about, I'm going to put links in all the description. So I didn't want to, sorry, I just went before we forgot. No, we're good. So, so what we're talking about is the five dirty bikers podcast. Um, the people that are on the inside know it as FDB. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started as a idea that was not ours. It started from another moto vlogger that, um, kind of put us together all in a group chat and, um, just, people that he thought would really get along well 
and uh, and we all did. We all clicked. Our personalities clicked, and um, in it, and we were talking in this group chat. And this group chat just was like it was like firing shots the whole time. Mm-hmm. So we were laughing, and 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 it was so much fun. This group chat was, and um, you know, one of our original members said, "Hey, this we should do the, uh, do a podcast." And so he called us all individually and said, "Would this be something you're interested in?" And we all decided, "Yeah, let's do it." And and we jumped on board. And, you know, some of us were skeptical. Some of us didn't think it would last. Some of us thought, oh, this is going to be a flash in the pan. But ironically enough, we really clicked. Um, we put out about 13 episodes. Our One of our um, original members left. And, and the other part of it was it was really shaped around the Midwest Moto Meetup. And mm-hmm. so we started communicating about the Midwest Moto Meetup. And that was uh, two other people's idea. Um, we started communicating about it and putting our brains together and and talking about it. And because I don't want to take credit for it, the Midwest Moto Meetup was not my idea. It was not my brainchild. Um, and then it kind of morphed into, you know, the podcast. And then ironically enough, the name of the podcast came from my wife. Um, we had done, I think we had recorded two or three episodes. We had not come up with a name. And my wife had been listening to us talk and, and certainly hearing my side of the conversation. And she said, um, she said, you guys are just a bunch of dirty bikers. And so the reason why we named it that was it's, it's truly a pun. If you know any of us, we all have, you know, good jobs and families and we're married. And so it was kind of a joke. It was really like a play on words that we were dirty bikers when indeed we were just, you know, like normal people. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that was the name of it. There was, there was five of us from the, from the very beginning. We put out 13 episodes. One of our original members wasn't, um, just wasn't feeling it anymore. Um, whether it was burnout or whatever, I don't want to speak for him, so I can't. Um, and I, and I don't want to try. And, and he, and he left the podcast and the other, the other, uh, four of us decided we, we wanted to continue going on, but at this point we're 13 episodes in, we had gained a following, we had gained, uh, viewers, we had gained all these things. And, um, we were, uh, we had, had started the discord. The discord was growing. It wasn't huge yet, but it was growing. And, um, we were, we decided, well, we want to keep the name. We branded it already. It already had a place. It already had been shortened to FDB. Um, everything was kind of rolling. And so we were like, well, we, we need a fifth. And I had mentioned to Tony, I said, you know, maybe we should bring a woman into this podcast. And Tony's like, <laughs> you're fucking crazy. Like, that's just, you know, that's insane because we are horrible in, in how we talk and it's not going to happen. And so I said, well, let's just kick it around. So we had already lined up some guests after uh, one of our members left and we were going to continue on for a while with four of us until we found a replacement. And um, we had uh, Tom. Dirty D's and Mary the Geared Raven on together. So there were six of us on. We did an episode and Mary was fantastic. She just knocked it out of the park. And she was already in a group of women kind of doing their Mm -hmm. own thing, doing live streams on YouTube and that kind of stuff. And we didn't want to interfere with that. Um, So uh, Tony reached out to Mary and said, hey, um, we'd like you to fill in for a month. And so Mary said, absolutely, I'll do it. And so, um, immediately he added Tony, Tony added Mary to our group chat and, uh, we started on our group chat and the group chat is where a lot of our 
our podcast stuff comes from is this group chat because we talk all mm-hmm. the time. Every single day we talk to each other, holidays, weekends, middle of the night, we talk to each other all the time. And uh, um, so she was in the group chat and um, we had decided very early on, all of us had had individual conversations. I talked to Tony, I talked to Dustin, I talked to Mike and we said, the only way this is going to work is if we continue to be ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. we can't not be ourselves because that's what people are liking. And that's what we like doing. And so it has to fit kind of that mold. And so very early on, and I said this in our, in our 2020 wrap up, Mary kind of checked us really early on and said, you know, uh, this is not about, um, you know, you guys putting me on a pedestal or treating me any different. And so when she, um, she, she always says that we treated her as an equal from the very beginning. There was some trepidation on our part, but because she was so responsive to that, um, that was what really shaped, you know, many of the things moving forward. And so Mary came in and opened our podcast up to a whole new female writer audience. I think that we didn't have before. Um, Mary is hyper organized. She's really good at some social media things that we were kind of maybe not so organized with. Um, She was really good at telling us what viewers connected to and found important that maybe we weren't thinking about from just a different perspective. Um, and just, um, was, was a fantastic addition to our podcast. And I think it's been said by Tony and other people on our podcast, our podcast got better when Mary joined, mm-hmm. um, again, not to disparage, um, one of our original members, but I think having a different perspective on our podcast was, was really good. And I knew it adds a completely new dynamic to it. Too. Yeah. And, and just a bunch of dudes. Right. And, and she, and, and she fits in well too, because she is able to be, you know, just as crass as the rest of us, but also bring her perspective, uh, her, her unique perspective as a female writer, which is what we really like. And, and um, you know, so our, our discord has grown. So those of you that don't know, uh, five dirty bikers has a discord. So uh, you can go to Wait, our website. I have to do it. How much is it? It's fucking free. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> it's free. So yeah. So you can go to www.5dirtybikers.com and you can find a permanent link to our discord that will, you can click on that link that will get you into our discord and it's free. And the discord has really become this unique community that has grown. And for those of you that don't know, it's time for me to play the opposite role of Bri. This is Bri's show, but I'm going to, I'm going to plug Bri for a minute. Um, so Bri joined our discord very early on. I, I think you joined our discord after Mary joined our podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, um, but Bri joined our discord very early on. I would, I would say, I would venture to guess we had probably under 50 members when Bri joined. Yeah, so, it was pretty small. Yeah, it was pretty small, but I would consider Bri an OG in our discord. Certainly, um, from no, my perspective, Bri is an OG. And, uh, so he, he joined our discord very early on and, um, uh, you know, kind of, and Bri bought, brought a unique thing too, which was um, making sure that we were welcoming every person to our community. Bri became kind of the Walmart greeter of our discord very early on. And, and now every one of our members has picked up on what Bri started. So I want everybody to know, and I'm going to go out there and say <laughs> this, that this was Bri that did this. He welcomed every new member after he joined to our discord and said, who you are, who are you, where are you from, and what do you ride? 
and, and just welcomed everybody. And now that is a thing that everybody in our Discord does. When somebody joins, you're going to get welcomed by five or 10 people that are going to welcome you to the Discord. Oh, and, and, and I think that the Five Dirty Biker Discord is fucking free. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean, it's a great community. And, and I think that it's, it's like any community, you know, it's online. So it has its difficulties, but it's, I think it's a great way to, to talk to people. Like I don't ride with, I take that back. I ride with misplaced motor vlogger, Frank, I've ridden with him once, but other than that, I don't have local riders to ride with. So it's a great way to, to, to meet people. And, and it, just and it, to sort of share ideas because I mean, there's, there's not a night you can't get on there and be like, yo, I got a problem and somebody knows something. Yep. And it's going to, you know, you can, we, so we have multiple channels in here. So we have a wrenching channel. We have a parts for sale channel. Um, we have a couple of new things that are fairly new to season two. One of them was completely, um, was completely started by Bri. Um, he reached out to me and reached mm-hmm. out to our, to our, um, to our, our uh, um, admin, NetShark, and said, what would you guys think of, uh, um, of a uh, 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 kind of a community, uh, you know, mental health check-in channel? That actually was his idea. Okay. Everybody oh, oh. keeps giving me credit for it. And I got to tell you, Matt, and, Net, and Matt's awesome. I don't ever want to, anyone to think that, you know, let's I not take this. Yeah, let, let's not take this away from Matt. So Matt is no, our, NetShark Matt's is the our- man. Yeah, he he is our her, our admin on our on our Discord, and he and and Matt doesn't get paid or anything like that. He does it because he loves our community, and we love Matt. So um, love Matt, Matt to death. Yeah. So so Matt uh, brought this idea forward. Um, Bry, I think, kind of spearheaded it through uh, through me um, on our channel. And that'll take credit for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You did you did spearhead it through me. Um, and and I and I said, you know what? I'm not even going to ask. Um, I did not ask our other uh, counterparts. I said, yeah, let's do this because I, I like the idea. And so we started a mental health channel on our, on our discord, which I think has probably become one of the more popular channels on our discord um, mm-hmm. where you can check in, you can tell people how you're feeling. It's a little bit less. Um, I don't want to say policed because we do have rules on our discord. So if you do join the discord, I encourage you to read the rules because if you break them, we'll check you. If you continue to break them, we'll boot you. Um, and, and that's just because we want the discord to be a safe place for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 w- and we're going to keep it that way. So if you do join our discord and you're an asshole, you're going to get booted without a doubt. I will boot you myself. But how much does it cost? But it's fucking free. So don't worry about it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so um, so you can you can join the Discord, uh, and then we also again um, when I what I touched on earlier about our responsibility to the community, um, our responsibility to the community again another one of our community members, uh, Todd on a motorcycle is his name. He came with me, uh, didn't come with me, but he met me in South Dakota, um, and and rode with me for a few days out there. And while we were out there, he said he, he had this idea of um, what about making it easier for new riders to get into motorcycling. And I said, what's your idea? And he said, what about starting a mentor channel? So this is fairly new. Our mentor channel has just dropped in the last probably, uh, I would say 30 days. Our mentor channel is, uh, the idea has been out there for a couple months, but the, but the channel is actually active in the last 30 days. You can go on there. You can find somebody that's agreed to be a mentor. 
you can find somebody in your region, out of your region. Really what we want you to do is find a mentor that is, um, that you, that you connect to. I don't care if they're in your region or not. Um, and you can reach out to this person, um, by being a mentor, they've agreed to walk you through the process. If you want to buy a new bike, if you're looking to, to connect with the community, if you want to find somebody to ride with, if you want to ride with them, um, whatever the case may be, we want to open up the doors to people in the community, maybe that are a little bit um, afraid of, of, of getting into the community or they're finding it difficult to be in the community. And that's what we're trying to do. So, um, we are, it's our idea and the five video bikers, uh, it's our give back, right? So we have these two kind of, uh, separate things. We have our mental health channel and we have our, um, you know, our, um, uh, it's not a, it's, it's a, uh, um, mentor. Yeah, like a mentor kind of a, and, and again, I, I don't want this to be a, a situation where you feel like you're uh, connecting with somebody that is going to, you know, you know, this is, this is not a person that's going to co-sign a loan for you, right? They're going to, oh, no. they're, they're going to talk you through a process. They're going to help you, you know, get started or say you found somebody in your area and you're like, Hey, I want to go to this Harley dealership, but I've gone in there a couple of times and I'm totally freaked out. Can you go with me? Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that would be the kind of person that we would hook you up with that, that you could go to and feel, you know, uh, more legitimate going in with somebody and, and feel a little bit less threatened by the environment. And I can tell you that if you get in our discord and you exchange information with people and you open up a little bit and you're honest and you're a good person, you are going to find a community of riders that, um, will absolutely open arms, accept you. And I, and I want everybody, and I, and I want everybody else, um, that's listening out there to know something. This is not a Harley centric community. Mm -hmm. I ride a Harley and that's what I love, but this is not a Harley centric community. We have people that ride all different kinds of bikes in our community and in our discord and, 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 and routinely are, um, part of that community that are not, um, exclusive to Harley Davidson. Um, we also do have, we don't have a lot of them, but we do have some fairly active members that are female. We have a moto blonde that mm -hmm. is a female rider and a moto vlogger. We have Whit Meza, who's a female rider and a moto vlogger. Um, we have Mary, um, one of our, Wait, we didn't, we just stopped Whit Meza miss. I did an iron butt on a sportster. Right, right. She's she needs legit, the mental health check-in. We got to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. She, she did an iron butt. Wow. She rode Needles Canyon. She rode Sturgis. She rode the, uh, uh, Tale of the Dragon. I mean, that girl has been, she put on some miles last year. She I'm going to guess 100% legit. Yeah. Somewhere. And I would say upwards of 20 to 30,000 miles last year. Uh, yeah, she's legit. On she, multiple she, bikes. On multiple it's, bikes. Yeah. She rode Indian. She rode Harleys. She rode touring bikes. She rode, you know, uh, just all kinds of bikes. So yeah, that, that girl is legit for sure. And she's a photographer. So if you need wedding pictures, hit her up. Um, you know, she lives in the <laughs> Wisconsin. Plug everybody. Plug we can everybody. cover anything. You need catering. We got it for you. Yeah. Plug everybody. No. So, um, so we do have male and female riders on there. I I'm fairly to mostly certain one of our mentors is a female rider. In fact, I'm pretty sure she is. Um, and so we've got people on the East coast. We've got people in central United States. Um, I don't know. We have a lot of covers on the West coast quite yet, but, um, but we'll get there. We have so, international. We have, um, um, oh, his name escapes me. He was on the last mental health call, the the uh, the Zoom call. He's from Australia. 
Yes. Gas man. Yes. Yep. Well, and we have a few, we have a few people on our discord that are from multi. So we have, uh, so we have representation from Russia. We have representation from uh, the UK dad and mad from the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Australia mud pie, Caval- uh, um, mud, mud pie. What's the rat? I don't remember the, the rest of his name. Um, I know you're talking about, but I don't. Yeah. Yep. And I've, I, and he's on YouTube too. He's from Australia. Um, we've got people on from New Zealand. Um, we've got people on from, from all over the country and uh, all over the world. And so, um, and I'm not, I'm not saying this because I'm trying to, to, to brag about what we've done. We are in a community building phase of this, uh, this whole journey. And it's been absolutely uh, fantastic. Um, so we have riders, we have, we have quite a few riders actually from Texas that are on our channel. Um, and so, yeah, it's been, it's been great. And, and we are fully, uh, ingrained and involved in support those that support you. So you will see that on our channel. Um, you can join the five duty bikers, Patreon. That's also on our website. You can go there and support the five duty bikers, Patreon and become a part of what we do. When we do podcasts, we have guest people come on our podcasts. Um, we have builders that are part of Speaking our, of which we, we can't let this go. Show everybody your shirt. And let's talk about it. So I'm wearing a Weems Motoco shirt right now. And, uh, Jared Weems is a builder who is, lives in Florida he is giving away a Triumph motorcycle that he built with his own two hands and a hundred percent of the amazing proceeds bike. from that. Yeah. It's an amazing bike honor. And it's a David Mann replica. So David Mann, if you don't know who he is, he's a very famous motorcycle painter from the seventies, 80s, seventies and eighties. Uh, David Mann has passed away and uh, he was featured on a ton of uh, motorcycle magazines for, for years and years and years. And uh, he only did two Triumph motorcycles in his entire time um, of painting motorcycles. Um, the first one that he painted is the replica bike that Jared Weems did. And he did basically a full, um, a full replica built bike of, of that David Mann bike that he's auctioning off. And, and he built that with his own two hands and with his own money. And then 100% of the proceeds of that, he's raffling that bike off go to um is going to the forgotten angels charity forgotten angels um florida charity and so um you can go to um his website you can go to the forgotten angels website i'll put florida, it up and and yeah. you can i mean if you're if you're watching this even if you can just buy a ticket just one yeah. ticket i yeah. mean they're 25 hour tickets but the money's going to kids that really need it kids that have basically been abandoned and, and i mean I, and it's I, just and i said this before if you drink Starbucks, just don't drink Starbucks for a week. And there's your five, there's your 25 bucks yep. and you can buy a ticket for it and you can possibly win a bike. Um, he's raised all, I'm, I'm pretty sure over $40,000 at this point, And he's giving hundred percent of that again to the forgotten angels charity. For those of you that don't know, the forgotten angels charity is a charity that's completely designed and set up to help young men um, that age out of the foster care program. So if you don't know what happens in foster care, when you turn 18, literally on your 18th birthday, the foster care program stops paying your foster parents and you're out essentially on the streets. And so what this program does is it gives them a place to stay. They teach them basic life skills. And what I mean by that is cooking, cleaning, doing your laundry, learning how to feed and clothe yourself. Then they teach them a skill. So they teach them a, uh, blue collar skill, 
uh, that they can use at any time, you know, welding mechanics, elect, you know, electricians, something that is literally a skill that you, that you can have, um, HVAC, whatever it is, right. So they're going to teach you a skill. And then if you want to go to college or whatever, they're going to basically, they're there to help you start your life outside of the foster care system. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a fantastic program. And, uh, Jared Weems is one of the, uh, most amazing individuals I've been able to come in contact with through the five duty bikers podcast and through, um, what we've been doing. And so, um, if, if you won't, don't mind, I would like to do another shameless plug, uh, for those of you that don't know, um, we also have a Patreon and um, I know I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm asking for money because I'm absolutely not. We use a Patreon to support what we do. And one of the things that we that we do on our 5 Day Bikers podcast is that we're giving 100% of our February Patreon money to the Forgotten Angels charity. And so if you feel like you want to join our Patreon, please do. We have different tiers of our Patreon. You can join those and to know that um, a portion of that is going to this Forgotten Angels charity. In fact, all of our February money is going to the Forgotten Angels charity. Um, And 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 I think that that just speaks to what the biker community has brought in me. It's just amazing the amount of people that will give back of their time. Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, that's, so that's a little bit about that. And, and then, you know, since we're, I guess, since we're on the topic, um, go on our website, you can read a little bit about us. Um, fair warning for, uh, the five degree bikers podcast is not, uh, your grandmother's podcast. Um, you're going to hear a lot of words that are, um, maybe of the four letter variety. My favorite words, fuck, just so, just in case you're wondering, you can bleep that out if you want. Brian. Wait, I'm going to do Tony. It's never going to make the podcast. <laughs> Mike. Yeah, for sure. Right. Uh, but that's funny. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, we do a lot of, a lot of our, our, a lot of our podcast is based around humor. Um, but we do have guests on, we do have legitimate people from the motorcycle industry. We had most recently had a, um, legitimate 1980 skateboard icon on there. Um, so that was really awesome. We've had builders on, we've had uh, different motorcycle, uh, industries or not industries, but companies in the, in, in the mm-hmm. industry. So, uh, custom dynamics has been on there. Wild ass $500 gift card. Yeah. We gave away a $500 diff- gift card from custom dynamics. So, uh, yeah, so we're, we're really, um, really kind of growing that, that podcast and, and growing the community. So in case you didn't know the discord is fucking free. So get <laughs> out there and get on the discord. Yeah. So, it, so wait, it, you guys have a discord. Yeah, we do. And it's fucking free. Okay. Wait, we also have to talk about Dustin's uh, charity. Yeah. And so, well, and and Dustin, Dustin does a couple of different things. And so um, for those of you that don't know, uh, Dustin has a son with autism. And so he has done uh, charity work for Autism Speaks. And I believe this season he'll be choosing another autism um, specific charity. And if all things go well, we will be doing the Midwest Moto Meetup in 2021 in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, what we did last year, what we had on our agenda, and we'll do it again, is that we get Matt from Burnt Up Wood Burning to burn us a logo specific to our event. And we will auction that off at the event. Likely what we'll do is spell, uh, sell uh, raffle tickets for that. 
And so if everything holds true and it all holds true, like it was going to last year, you can find Bri or you can find Kate and they are going to be the caretakers of not only the plaque, but uh, selling tickets for us at the event so that, um, so that we can raise as much money for Dustin's charity. And, and, and he has, like I said, supported, uh, supported autism speaks in the past. Um, we don't know what his new charity will be, but likely very, um, very, uh, something that supports, uh, autism or, um, autism education, something around, uh, those areas. Cause Dustin has gotten a lot of, um, help from the autism community for his, for his son and his family. So. And it's well-deserved. I mean, it, it's amazing that this community just, there's, you can find anything in that support network. I mean, there's just, yeah. there's just people that can do anything. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. So I think we've covered everything else. So we can find you on the five Dirty bikers. We can find your YouTube channel and I'll put links in the description for that. Instagram, Instagram, you're almost cracking a thousand too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm real close to, I'm about nine eighteen or something on Instagram, nine fifteen. Nice on Instagram and nine forty two on YouTube. So yeah, if you, if you find it in your heart to get out there and, and check out my content, I, I love to have you join the community and, and like, and subscribe and do all those things because that, um, supports what what I do. And again, it's just about um, building that community. If you don't want to do that, join the Discord. If you don't want to do that, you can straight fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> you knew I had to say that, Brian. Come on. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, uh, I want to thank everybody for watching. If you'd please consider subscribing, give this a big thumbs up. Tell Ryan he's very angry and he needs to work on that. Um, hit the notification bell. Um, we're still going to be doing um, probably a weekly episode of Behind the Rider, as well as my regular content and reviews. So I'd appreciate it if you'd follow along on this adventure. And until next time, we will see you when we see you. Peace. We're out. We're out. It's dope. Wow, peace. See you. <laughs> what? 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 what?